everybody. Welcome to Girl Power Hour. This is our third October show, and we are excited for it because we just love the month of October for obvious reasons. It's because of Halloween and scary stuff and the colors and fall's coming, and we're just ready, I think. So we've got Tasha Humphreys. Hey, Tasha. Hi, Matt. And we have Elizabeth Hardiman. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, guys. How are y'all? How are you? Happy, happy early Halloween. Yes, we're we're excited. And um, we'll remind everybody that next week we're going to have an old-time radio show replay on the show, and I may pop in at the very beginning to set everything up and tell you a little bit about what what the show is, but then we'll get right on into the uh, the uh, old-time radio show, and I just love them. They're so much fun. I used to fall asleep. Um, we used to get, okay, you remember cassette tapes, people? We had cassette oh, I do, tapes. I do. And and I, do. I would buy these, yeah, I would buy these old radio show cassette tapes, and that's what I would fall asleep to. I'd listen to them at night before I went to sleep, so, and I still find myself falling asleep to books on tape, <laughs> so, yeah. I love it, but that's what we're going to have next week, so we're really excited about that, but this week... We have Elizabeth, and we're, she's going to be talking about Halloween, all things Halloween. And I haven't even had a chance to talk to her about all the stuff she's going to share with us today. But we're excited. So anytime you are ready, Elizabeth. Well, let's see. What do we got here? Um, one of the things that I like to do is I love to do research on certain things, especially things that I love. And one of the things that I wanted to know more about the, like, the history or, let's say, the origins of Halloween. And one of the best places I have discovered is to actually go to the History Channel online. And there is all kinds of videos. There are all kinds of documentaries. There's all kinds of just the printed word, it's just absolutely awesome. And so what I did was, thank you, courtesy of the History Channel Online, I printed up a couple of things. Um, There's a lot of people who, I guess, are not aware of the fact that this actually started back a long time ago. So this actually, the date or the origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival. And it looks like it is pronounced Samhain because it is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. But one of the versions of how it is pronounced is Samhain, which is S-O-W and a hyphen I-N. So a lot of people get those mixed up. They're not sure what, where did that come from. It doesn't look like it's pronounced correctly. But there are several words that look different, but we pronounce them just totally opposite. So the Celtics are the ones especially the ones who lived like, say, 2,000 years ago in the area that's called now day, current time, present day, that would be Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France. They celebrated their new year on November the 1st. 
because it was it, it, that's the end of summer. So it's the ending of the light, it's the beginning of the dark. And so they relished that. Uh, one of the things about the harvest moon that I did I knew sort of about but wasn't quite sure the origins of that literally at the harvest moon, that was the last harvest. And everybody would get together and by the beautiful harvest moon they would stay up until the wee hours of the morning, literally gathering their harvest because they were able to see it. So that's why it was called the harvest moon. Can you imagine? I mean, seriously, being a kid oh, cool. and going out there and watching literally the harvesting of the last crops for that particular time of year. And, of course, in certain places it would have been really cool and it would have just been a real nice crisp. Uh, feel in the air, and uh, hopefully you would have had parents who would have had apple cider or something uh, warm for them to drink and um, to be able to just to experience that whole mystical moment of this is the end of the light going in towards the dark period. So, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, wasn't that uh, a, uh, like a community event? Didn't everybody just yeah. go and help everybody? else in order to get it all done oh yeah yeah they planned it for weeks and said you know we'll all come together uh we will all um, as many people as you need to it's almost like the the thought of the barn raising everybody comes over everybody uh, the of course back then it would be the lady six uh the lady would prepare meals and those kinds of things and then the, the guys would all get lumber and nails and start to raise the barn and stuff so with this, it would be real hard labor, but women were included in this as well. So even the children were included in this as, as well. So everybody got together, and it was just an entire family production. But neighbors were coming. Um, it was a it was a major, serious get together of of the clan. I think that would have been just awesome. I would love to have seen that. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, and we can take a lesson from that, you know, when somebody's in need, like, get out and, and do something to help. And that was well, just a, a common thing that they did. This is, they yeah. always help one another. Well, the Celtics also believed that on that night, before what they would term the new year, which would have been October the 31st, they believed that the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. In other words, the the veil became thinner. So that uh -huh. meant that spirits could really either come out or commune. And it was believed that ghosts of the dead returned to the earth. So in addition to causing trouble and perhaps damaging the crops, the Celts, thought that the presence of the outer worldly spirit made it easier for the Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. Isn't that hmm. interesting? Predictions wow. about really? the future? Yeah. Wow. So hmm. there were a lot of different things that were, you know, they had fortune tellers. Yeah. They had they had games. They did all kinds. But when I heard that, you know, when I read that part about the fortune teller, of course, they got my attention. It was like, oh my gosh! So it's like they were they were ready to 
to, you know, take the stuff that needed to be burned and burn the stuff. And that, of course, is where the huge bonfires got started. Mm-hmm. And that used to be something that was really, really big, which I was, you know, I totally forgot all about that. I forgot about the huge bonfires. Yeah. I barely remember. I barely remember some of that. I know we did have it, but that's just, ugh, that was really, I was, I had to have been extremely young on that because also that's also very dangerous too. Especially yeah. if you have winds and, you know, those kinds of things and the kids, you have to be really, really careful with that. So from Europe, which was having a great old time, they used to carve out turnips because that was plentiful. So they would carve the um, grotesque-looking faces and the turnips to keep the spirits from coming and bothering them or messing with their crops and all of that good stuff. And it wasn't until that came to North America that's when we started using pumpkins because they were readily available. So right. it was easier to get get to. There were they were plentiful. They were just readily available. And so that's where the carving of the jack-o'-lanterns came. And again, to ward off evil spirits or to protect the crops and to make sure that no outer worldly spirits were going to come in to, to wreak havoc with so many people. So the celebration of Halloween in the beginning was extremely limited, uh, mostly to the, the New England, the, the colonial New England up in that area mainly because of the Protestant belief system there. Halloween was much more common in, like, say, Maryland and the southern colonies, which figures, because I'm from the south, that would be something that would have come in, you know, mm-hmm. from, say, Florida through on up and, well, literally, the well, that would be the, the East Coast and stuff. So the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups as well as the American Indians, Mashed together, and it became a huge version of a different name of Halloween. So the first celebrations included play parties. So public events were held to celebrate the harvest, while neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories, making, and of all kinds of scary nonsense, like... um, Beware, you know, if you go down this street and you have to be careful not to take a left because that shadow will come and get you and the kids would like, oh, you know, just scream and yell and just think, oh, this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. A lot of the adults did too. So, well, I think it, it, the new... Elizabeth, it's kind of, Elizabeth, it's kind of funny to me that <clears throat> as religious as these people were... Yeah. They were very superstitious, and oh, yeah. they had customs like this. That just, you know, telling ghost stories that just didn't, to my mind today, it doesn't jive with being the super religious people. It really doesn't, does it? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> there's there's contradictions in so many different things, right? Now, and of course, this was back then, though. That's back before, you know, this was, this was set up to, to 
or humor adults as well as children. This wasn't just right. for the children. This was for both. Mm-hmm. But then something started to happen, and it kind of got out of hand. And then you had too much of the mischief makers that would come in. And then it got to be where they believed it should have been just for children. And then that changed. And then you started having people who would do um, severe mischief. You know, uh, one of the things is that people used to go outside to go to the restroom and their um, outhouse would have been taken. So they'd take the outhouse and they would burn it. And that goes back to the bonfires and stuff. And people would just snatch anything that was made out of wood and just burn it. So you would have a lot of people who were just, they went too far on the mischief and not enough on the the magic kind of side as to the excitement of it. And so Halloween got a really bad rap for a long time and it wasn't really gosh until starting like you know the 70s I think really we as adults didn't really want it to end and then people realized that they could start making a ton of money if they if they incorporated haunted houses and haunted hayrides and those kinds of things and do you know that Halloween that one day Halloween generates an estimated six billion dollars annually six billion dollars wow wow this makes the country's second largest commercial holiday is halloween in the u.s good i mean i just thought good grief i'm not by myself here obviously there has to be (laughs) no kidding well one of the things that that you really <laughs> one of the things that I realized this year was uh, I really wanted to have a Day of the Dead thing, and I thought, well, let's just do a small one. You know, not I'd, I'd like for it to be more along the lines of the seance, not not too big, just right. you know about six people. Well, that filled up really quickly, and then I sure. thought, well, maybe we need to do something else, and. A couple of people said, well, I didn't see the invitation and blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, I said yesterday, maybe I'll do a second one. And that filled up today. And it was like people are wanting (laughs) to experience a seance. And my seance, you know, we're not talking about bringing anything negative in. We're not talking about anything along those lines. We're talking about the celebration of people that have gone before us and to invite them into our world to acknowledge them, uh, to to let them know we still have respect for these people. They are still close to us. We we look at them as part of our family. We look at them as part of our uh, spirit connection. We're looking at them as our spirit guides and um, our angels over on the other side. But I will say this: there's been a lot of information that's been coming out from the other side just here recently, and I'll give you one example which I. I found this week to just be extraordinary. It took place over the weekend, and I had a client come in, and we were talking about different things, and this doesn't happen very often, but every every once in a while, I will see a child show up. Well, this particular child in spirit showed up, and I asked this lady if, I said, "Have, have, have you lost a child? And she looked at me. And it was almost like, well, I might as well just go ahead and tell her. And she said, well, 
yeah, and it was far. And I said, well, you're still holding on to this energy, or this child is telling me you're still holding on to this energy, and you need to forgive yourself, you need to forgive the situation, and let that go, because there's a special reason why. And mm-hmm. she just kind of looked at me and said, well, okay, what, what's, what's happening? I said, well, let me tell you what this individual is telling me. This individual is saying, you have two children right now. They are eventually going to get married, and I'm going to come back as one of your grandchildren. And I just kind of heard myself say that, and she just kind (laughs) of looked at me, and I just kind of looked at her, and I'm going, that's never happened before, ever. I've never had anyone do that. So I knew then that there was something happening on the other side. I knew that we needed to be more aware of issues that we we walk around with. Uh, We need to be sure to let a lot of things that we thought were over. Sometimes they're really not. You need to make sure and let these things go so that you allow the newer things to come in. And what she was doing was like blocking that energy and I said, now you have the chance not to raise this child, per se, but you get to do something that a lot of people just cherish, and that is raise a grandchild and spoil it rotten, spoil this kid rotten. Do, do everything that you can, send your love to this child, do everything that you can, and know that this is going to happen for you. So it was just one of the most unbelievable messages I have ever gotten, but I knew it was one of those situations where we're getting closer and closer to that timeline. We're getting closer and closer to where the veil is getting thinner. But what I'm also discovering is that veil is, is literally staying thinner. So it's not sealing right back up. It's, it's getting, it's not so dense. And those of us who are trying to perfect our crafts and our skills and our gifts, we're, we're, we're touching into that energy that's that's coming out. So this right. particular year, it's a it's a nine year. It's a lot of ending of things. But next year, that's 2017, and that's going to be a lot of ones. So this this thought of Halloween, this thought of seances, this thought of reading cards, um, all of that's going to be kind of a jumbled kind of a mix. And I really think you're going to see more people really wanting to get involved with that because that will have information to give to other people, and that's something that's being called for. And not just from a Halloween perspective, you know. It, it's more along right. the lines of giving people information and stuff. So Halloween really can scare yeah, a lot of people. spiritual perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So the Halloween aspect, I think, is just kind of opening up the door to allow other people to... Um, experience, everybody likes to get scared every once in a while, not on a full-time mm-hmm. basis. Not, I don't like it on a full-time basis. But everybody <laughs> likes that, what's going to happen, and, oh, that's scary, and those kinds of things. But one of the the downsides of Halloween is that we are getting too bombarded with uh, too much of this, and what's happening is we're becoming very numb to these situations, and that's not really good. You, you need to have a little bit of, uh, of respect, and, and it, it, it's just like if it, doesn't, if it doesn't scare you or if it doesn't shock you and it doesn't frighten you, then we've, we've numbed ourselves to the point or medicated ourselves to the point where we know now that something's not quite right. 
Yeah. I so agree. let me talk a little bit about Halloween superstition. So this oh, this her. particular this particular holiday has always been filled with mystery, magic, and superstition. It began at the Celtic end of summer festival, during which people felt especially close, obviously, to deceased relatives and friends. And for these friendly spirits, they set places at the dinner table, left treats on doorsteps, and along the side of the road, and lit candles to help loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. I think that's really kind of cool if you think about it. Leave a candle yeah. for Uncle Fred, you know, he couldn't find his way home. Let's <laughs> Let's do that, or leave apples, or, you know, something to where they can find their way home. So how long yeah, and I, often dep- I've, I've no, go done, ahead. you know, with the elementals and, and working with them, you know, it's not during that time of year, I will leave things out, you know, I'm sure the feral cats get it, or possums or oh. raccoons or whatever, wherever I lived. But, you know, put things out for whatever comes by. You know, it's just a goodwill gesture. And, Mm -hmm. you know, lighting candles is a real big thing. And I know, Elizabeth, you and I talked about the different types of candles. Like, I've got a cat, so I can't really have an open flame. But, Mm -hmm. you know, burning all the time. But I can have a battery-operated candle that with anointing it and putting the intention in it, serves the same purpose as a, a lit mm-hmm. candle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's lots of things that people can do, and you can put those in windowsills and front porches, and they stay lit, or back porches, and, um, yeah, it's super easy to do, and it's just a goodwill gesture. Mm-hmm. Literally, it, it's one of those where we're trying to help our family members come home, you know. hmm it's it's really coming from the heart. It's not that we're afraid. It's just we're wanting no. these relatives to find their way home. And that's what they were doing then. Um, they were looking at it as from a perspective of friendly spirits. And so they set aside things, left uh, treats at the doorstep, just like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that way they could at least come and have something of um, nourishment. They could, they could see the light. They could have apples, and apples, you know, that was just an important part of their, well, apples were readily available, so, of course, it's like, you know, those kinds of things. Um, But today, if if we're talking about the the tradition of Halloween ghosts and stuff, these are more depicted as the fearsome or malevolent creatures, um, and the superstitions and the customs that we've come up with are a lot scarier than the way that they used Mm -hmm. to be. Um, One of the things, my grandfather was born on Friday the 13th, September, Friday the 13th. I think it was 1910 or 1911. And he was, with question, one of the most superstitious men I have ever been around in my life. It was, (laughs) you could not open up an umbrella in the house. Do not throw your hat on the bed. Mm-hmm. If a black cat literally, literally, if a black cat crossed his pathway in the car, we would turn around. Honest to God, we would turn around and go in a different direction, and then cut up, and then come back around. And my mom I, did that too. Yep. 
Yeah, my my grandmother was like that. Yeah, and it was like I just I cannot get over that. I mean, seriously. But I will tell you to this day, to this day, if somebody drops a mirror and it crashes, the very first thing that runs across my mind is, oh my God, that's seven years bad luck. Yeah. Because that was kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll forget all that other stuff and cats, black cats are awesome. But when it comes to that mirror thing, when it comes to that mirror thing, it's like, oh, gee, man, you just got seven years bad luck. You know, you know, seriously, but you don't take the rest of them, but you'll take that mirror thing. It's like, anyway, I try not to do that. My mom broke about seven, I think, at one time. She had those little square mirrors in her purse, and she dropped it, and all of them broke. And she said, it's hopeless. Uh, <laughs> it's hopeless. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, there's nothing we can do. And I guess from that point on, it, it really was like, you know, you just got to go on and just, you know, go with it. <laughs> but I still, boy, I see that crack and think, ooh, oh, that's seven years. <laughs> so... Um, we talked about the black cat because mainly they were going to bring us bad luck. Um, but that idea has its roots in the Middle Ages, when many people believed that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into cats, and not just black cats, but cats. Huh. So that's why you see. <laughs> In the old tradition, you see that every witch pretty much has a cat. You never see a dog, which I find interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll Charlie Brown has are, Snoopy. Yeah, <laughs> cats are cats are really nocturnal, which goes yeah. with the witch's persona that you know mm-hmm. people would think of, and they were considered familials. To yep, or I mean familiars to the witch, and she could send the cat out to do her bidding, to spy mm-hmm. on people, and oh, to yeah. you know this was all the negative stuff that they talked mm-hmm. about, and you know I, it was just so cats got a bad rap from the very beginning I think, and you seriously know, they could be pretty creepy. You know, they stalk around and they hide and they, you know, they're just, they're not like your friendly dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the cutest cartoons I've seen in a long time was a cat comes up to its owner and it kind of just rubs against the owner, like the leg part. And the Uh owner reaches down to touch the cat and the cat looks up and goes, no, touch me only with your eyes. Yeah. So it was like, don't touch me, touch me. Yeah. Just touch me with your eyes. I don't need I don't need the other part. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty much what they do. Let them rub against you. But don't touch me. Yeah. You know, just with your oh, eyes, yeah. just look at me and worship me and you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> well, some of the stuff that I find absolutely amazing though is the Egyptians and their their belief system of cats, the way they idolized cats, uh, cats mm-hmm. were sacred. They had a very prominent place, not only in hieroglyphics, but in, in their history as well. 
So you've got some who were absolutely scared to death of the animal, and then you have some who worshipped the cat and treated them with the utmost respect, which I think you should you should treat all animals with, you know, with respect. You need to be aware of their gifts. You know, if they, if they mm-hmm. can bite you, you need to have great respect for that because you certainly don't want to be that naive. You know, if you know it's going to bite you, just be careful. So some well, of the things that they say not to... Huh? You talked about you talked about Egypt, and I remember seeing uh-huh. a documentary where they um, uncovered hundreds of mummified cats. I mean, they would mummify their cats, um, and they would do the X-rays, and they would cut some of them open, and they were just mummified out of well, and- you know. They took them with their owners. Their owners wanted mm-hmm. their animals to be buried with them. And, and wasn't, you know, in the one next their, wasn't one of their, yeah, wasn't one of their gods a cat too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and I can't think of who it is. Yeah, I can't remember. Part cat? Yeah. Part. Very interesting. No. Well, some of the things that they talk about that uh, attachment to, you know, we talked about the breaking of the mirrors and those kinds of things. Uh, one of the other things that you're never supposed to walk under a ladder. But, you know, from the mm-hmm. realistic sense, you don't really want to walk under a ladder because you don't know if it's going <laughs> to stay up. Secondly, <laughs> you're not, you know, and secondly, you don't know if somebody's going to be coming down. They could be dropping mm-hmm. stuff. So, I mean, that's just from a safety point of view. But, like, uh, I still have that moment where if there's a ladder there, <laughs> you know, and you say that ladder, it's like, you know, give that ladder a wide berth and you just, you know, walk <laughs> as far away around it as you possibly can. Uh, the other thing is don't step on cracks in the road. Beware of spilling salt. You know, that's still held true whether we're in Halloween or not. If you spill some salt, yeah. you know, pour something, throw it over your left shoulder, and the person behind you may not appreciate it, but you're going to do it anyway. True. <laughs> uh, let me see. There was a couple of other things here. Uh, good luck. Oh, matchmaking, that's what it was. It's also a belief that during Halloween, uh, young teenagers could find out the initials of their true love. So I'm not quite sure how those initials were supposed to appear, but they believed that it was during that point in time or during these seasonal times during Halloween that they could find out who their future husband or future wife, you know, we're, we're going to be. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this stuff has kind of fallen by the wayside, so there's not so much of that anymore. I would like to know that, though. I would like to know how you how they found out. What did they do? What did they use for so that you could find your initials? You know, what was it written in? Was it in sand or something, or how did they come up with that? Because right. that, that, be, hmm. that would be really interesting. So one of the things it talks about uh, for the Halloween traditions and beliefs that today's trick-or-treaters have forgotten about, 
some of the things in particular, many of them had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands, blah, blah. So they could be married by the following Halloween once they found out the initials of the person, you know, that they believed to be their, their true love. In the 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween <laughs> night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. So in other words, hopefully what, what didn't happen is they didn't swallow it. Uh, secondly, <laughs> that it didn't break any teeth. <laughs> but I just cannot imagine, you know. Oh, congratulations. So here's that. That just kind of struck me funny. Okay, in Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. Kind of gives a new meaning to chestnuts roasting on an open fire, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. So then the nut that burns to ashes rather than popping or exploding, so the story goes, represented the girl's future husband. So you would take your hazelnut. That's a lot of pressure to put on these guys, you know. I know. That's a lot of pressure. No wonder that. I'm sorry, but the uh, chestnut did not uh, pop. It incinerated. So uh, when are we getting hitched? (laughs) It's like, oh, my gosh. Or the guy's going, oh, God, please, please let it pop. Please. (laughs) You You had those four people go, oh, please, pop. Pop, yes, pop. (laughs) That just seems to be kind of bad. (laughs) That's really worse than having ghosts and goblins coming after you, isn't it? I mean, think about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, now we're going to find out who you're going to get married to. Oh, my gosh, we're putting your name on one of these hazelnuts. And let's hope it does, you know. Oh, my God. Why do these people drink so much? I would be drinking. That's why you have spirits. I mean, really, because people drink so much. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. Hazelnuts, I'll never look at that. I'll never look at that spice the same. Say, uh-huh, I know what they used to do with you. Let's see. So carving of vegetables. Uh, oh, you know, some of the some people used to carve gourds. Now, I don't know if they still do that or not, but gourds were real. Um, they were used a lot. And they were used not just for Halloween, but they were used um, in reference to bird nests. They were also used mm-hmm. for um, scooping of spoons where you could put it in the water pail. You could, you know, scoop it to, for water. It was used a right. lot to feed uh, the animals. You could use the scoop into the hay, feed, grains, all that stuff, and you can just sprinkle that out. And they used some of those for uh, planting seeds and stuff across so you could just sprinkle things as you were going along. So it wasn't just you know, jack-o'-lanterns, and it wasn't just turnips. It was anything, basically, I think, that you could carve something into. So, and the light was to help the spirit find the light, you know, those kinds of things. But today, when we're talking about um, the jack-o'-lanterns and those kinds of things, they have gotten so ornate 
And there are so many talented people that they're carving these unbelievable faces. They're carving these yes. unbelievable scenes into the mm-hmm. pumpkins now. And it's like it has become just its own artwork. So it has literally been transformed into something completely different. And someone sent me a text message uh, last night, I think, go down this street and go to so-and-so and such and such, go at night because they've got their house connected to a certain radio station and you can turn it on to that station and their house will be beating, the lights and sounds will, will match their music and stuff. So oh, well. we've gone from just having that light and little treats to almost um, – Movie quality production, especially people who know how to to rig that stuff up. But we've really kind of gotten away from the actual seance or to have people come over as a gathering to get together, uh, bring treats in honor of that favorite person, that favorite relative, uh, don't forget the fur baby and literally just come together in peace and actually ask for these people to come and join you. Uh, Sometimes it can be a really cold room. It gets cold, or you have trigger objects, and you can see the lights blink and those kinds of things. thought is to invite these people to come and join us and assist us and help us in our everyday lives, not just one day, but to come and literally take part in what we're doing as a celebration and not as something that's scary. But the Day of the Dead, a lot of people aren't sure about the Day of the Dead. They get really scared about that because they see the skeletons and the sugar skulls and all that stuff. And I love the Day of the Dead. That's that's really my Mm -hmm. favorite time because what we're doing is we're really celebrating a life. And one of the things that all of us would like to believe is that there will always be somebody who will remember us because, we were a nice person or they really just loved us and they're honoring that we would at least try and come back and make something happen for them. So I go back to that lady that was there at the office and think we need to be a lot more in the know. We need to be more educated as far as the possibilities of getting in touch with our deceased relatives, because if that's the case, and this kid's really going to come back as her grandchild, and I won't know until, you know, years down the road, but what an awesome possibility of being able to have a relationship that proves that theory that you can come back and you can still have that same Mm -hmm. relationship, but it also points out that you can also come back and still have the same negative relationship. relationship when we're talking about karma and those kinds of things. And you keep running into that same person and that, that same person and you're trying to finish out your karmic debt and, you know, be done with. Now, to me, that's scary. Yeah. The idea that you would run into that uh, person that you really don't want to to experience again, but you do, but you finally get to the point where your karmic debt is, is finally done. But that's why I like all, all those uh, Day of the Dead celebrations. I love the idea that people literally go to graveyards, and it's not this ooh scary kind of place. It's this is where 
I know this person would show up, and this is where we're going to honor these people, and they, we have their food, and we have the drink, the drink, and we're celebrating these kinds of things. And to me, that's that's just so personal. How wonderful to invite these people to join in on the celebration. Well, and to become aware of their presence and for them to feel recognized and loved, you know, because mm-hmm. the love continues. It doesn't go away. It just continues. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, you're right. We we don't focus on that enough, and I think Day of the Dead is one of those times that we can and then hopefully carry it through throughout the year. But, you know, you're right. People are afraid of that holiday. They're, they're mm-hmm. thinking, you know, it's scary, spooky because the skeletons and the skeletons are just simply a symbol of, of you know, the death and and uh, the life that was and mm-hmm. still is. And, um, you know, they do, they do get afraid of it. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we need to realize is that when we do tap into things like that, we need to be aware that people are afraid of things like that. So we need to be aware of the language we use. Um, we need to be aware of, how we approach people, because I would love to have a Day of the Dead celebration. Um, I've done it before back in Dallas, and it was just such a wonderful, wonderful time, you know, to be able to uh, recollect all the stories and the food that people loved and all of that. But you have to be careful with some people because when you start talking spirits and ghosts and that sort of thing, they shut down and they're going, oh, I'm not going to go there. But if you can talk to them in a way of this is, you know, this is how we're honoring their life and just to know that they're in our hearts and, you know, we don't have to really get into the (laughs) nitty gritty of spirits and stuff like that if they're afraid of it, but that still allows them the opportunity to celebrate and become more open. And like you said, people will become more open to things like this after this year. Um, it, going it into sure the dark period. Way. Yeah, mm-hmm. going into the dark period of the winter where it's going inwards and really going inside and, and focusing on what's happening within us. And mm-hmm. then maybe some of those things will come out and you know, people will be more open and able to access those gifts. Well, you know, one of the things that people used to do, especially from the Celtic um, times, was to create masks and costumes. And the reason they did Mm -hmm. that was so that the, the dead would not recognize who they were. So if they were outside, they could walk around freely and not worry about somebody coming to attack them from the dead, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Right. That still held true from a perspective from the Day of the Dead, but it's just a celebration of such. It, it right. isn't that they don't want, you know, we don't want you not to know who we are. It's just that's just part of the celebration, and it's always the skull. It's, it's always that particular tradition of the decoration, the adornment. Uh, one of the major things for that is to have the altar, um, uh-huh. We're going to have an altar at the office, 
And people, we're encouraging people to bring their picture of their favorite person. We're encouraging to, you know, people bring their favorite treat, anything along those lines. Um, and we're not going to go crazy with it, but it's just here, you know, we, we want you to, to be invited. There's a friend of mine that passed away that I'd like for her to show up, so I've got one Coors Light. And that was her <laughs> favorite beer. That's, that was literally uh-huh. both of our favorite beers. And I didn't do that last year, and I can't believe I didn't do that. And I thought, no, I need to do that this year for sure. And it just kind of ran across my mind, and I thought, gosh, I wonder if Charlie was literally trying to tell me, don't forget to bring my beer. And I, mm-hmm. it just looked like, oh, my gosh. So I've got to remember to to bring that so that I can make sure that she feels like she's part of uh, this celebration as well because she just passed this right. year. So it's like, yeah, we need to include you as well. So the other thing that I found interesting is the colors. When we're talking about Halloween, it's black and orange. Well, from a pagan perspective, the harvest celebration with the orange symbolizes the crops, and the black represents the death of summer. I had Mm. no idea. I mean, seriously, I I had no idea. Makes sense. So you wear the mask so people won't be recognized. And then you have the black and orange because of the colors of the fall. Um, One of the things that the people, especially poor people during this time, would go around and they would um, request soul cakes. And, you know, that's the first thing, that's the first time I actually put that together with the song from Peter, Paul, and Mary. And they were talking about, please, good mistress, please, good mistress, the soul cake. And that's what they were asking Uh for was to... Mm-hmm. to please give us, help us sustain ourselves, that it was a food substance, but it had more than just just a, a tiny meaning because they were hungry. It's because it was there was a purposefulness to it. So, and I've seen soul cakes online and thought, I wish I had the patience to do that, you know, to create those, because I thought, wow, would that not be awesome? To have. What are they? I, I've not looked at them. What do, What do they look like, Elizabeth? Uh, you'll have to look it up online. Right now, I just I have drawn a blank. I don't know. It's called a soul cake. Soul cake. S O U L C A K E. Soul cake. I will definitely look that up because that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That'll give somebody. That'll give people something to. To think about something to do because that would be a really awesome tradition to have as well. Yeah, they're really yeah. interesting looking. There's a, I'm looking at pictures. There's a whole lot, a whole lot of different. That's really cool. I've never even heard of that. Mhm. So usually, you hear that song from Peter, Paul, and Mary during Christmas time. Yeah. And I thought, my gosh, we're talking about soul cakes now for the Halloween, for those kinds of things. I was trying to go back and see if I could find where I read that. Um, and so far, I can't find it. Do they have it. phrases One in it, them? Or oh, yeah, they're like sweet. It's kind of a sweet, um, is it like with dates and raisins and yeah, cranberries, a mixture of cranberries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that sounds good. I know. Is it, I mean, really, it is does. It like a, Annette, would you is make it like them, a please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is, it like, is it like a fruit cake? 
I mean, honestly, they look like little short shortcakes, like the cookies, you know, that, and they have, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. like, an imprinting in them that um, kind of corners out, like, so that in, you end up with, like, four corners. And they have, I mean, I have no idea what's in them. There's recipes online, but I haven't looked at the recipes yet. I'm just looking at the pictures. But, um, and then they have, like, a mixture. It looks like some people just use raisins, and then some people have a mixture of dates and raisins and, like, dried apricot, and some people just have cranberries. Wow. There's different pictures of them, but they look delicious. Well, you know, that sure mm. sounds like a fruit cake to me. I know. <laughs> that would be like a flat fruit cake. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a deflated fruitcake. Just <laughs> so, so I mean, it doesn't have it doesn't have this. These fruits are not in it. Like they're they're laid on top. So. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. We we lost that one. I think. Okay. Yeah, they're just laying right on top of that cake. Ca- yes. Or doughy pastry. Her- yeah, it's a pastry. It looks, you know, similar to a scone or something. Oh, there we go. Scones, yes. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know what, yes, that would be, a, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. oh, my goodness. Oh, my. We well, lost it. Oh, <laughs> caught me off guard. Caught me off guard. <laughs> well, some of the things that, <laughs> oh, God. Well, let me wrap up with symbols. <laughs> So we're talking about some of the things. Well, the skull, which literally it symbolizes death, but it can also symbolize rebirth. So it is. It has a twofold meaning. It can. It it means both. And of course, that's used for All Souls Day. And with regard to Day of the Dead. You have elaborately decorated skulls, including those made of candy. Uh, the reason it's called sugar skulls is because they are literally made out of sugar. And, you know, yep. making sh- uh, sugar skulls is not that easy. It is a fine art, and you really have to know what you're doing because to get the mixture just the, the perfect consistency so that it stays together, it is just yep. not that easy to do. So these people who make these sugar skulls, bless you, because I don't know how you do it. I used, to do, Easter that... I used to do the Easter eggs, the sugar Easter eggs. Oh, my gosh, oh. these were hard. <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot imagine. I, seriously, I cannot I imagine. Uh-uh. No. Now, I know that, that there's the people who do this on a professional level, they have the um, mold and, you know, they're right. form-fitted where they can just produce a, a, a ton of them at one time. But there are people who can actually make them. Uh, it's a family tradition. It's what they do. They start mm-hmm. early. And then the kids all come and get together, and then they decorate the skulls, and it's going to be for this person, and this skull's going to be for that person. But if you'll look at the skull, one of the things that you'll usually see is some sort of heart. There's a flower on it. Uh, Some of them do have smiles on there. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them have shamrocks on there for luck. So it just depends on what you feel would be the most sacred of, of things to put on there. One of the traditional flowers, which I had totally forgotten about, is the marigold. Right. 
and it's associated with the dead. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that at all. So some say that the flower represents the rays of the sun, which is linked with life, so the deceased have not lost their place in the universe. Like, wow. Never thought about Mm -hmm. that. The next thing when we talk about symbols would be the raven and the crow, and they've both been linked with the death. Well, you know, the raven uh, for Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have a raven at the office, thanks to Annette, (laughs) called Nevermore. (laughs) And he's still there. He's still right on top of the, the stereo. Oh, how funny. He doesn't come out much. I need to get him some clothes, I guess, for Halloween. It looks cold. <laughs> get him a little trick-or-treat bag. <laughs> some little oh, my gosh. You know what? I'll get a little trick-or-treat bag because his beak is open, and I'll put it on uh-huh. his beak, and it'll look like he's asking for candy and stuff. Well, he's going to be in there for the Day of the Dead, so I might as well just dress him up. Maybe get him a exactly. little top hat or something. Yeah, have never more joined us for the Day of the Dead. And let's see, what else do we have here? There's so much stuff that it was really hard to pick out what would be interesting and what would not be interesting. Um, But the main thing is to try and enjoy this time of the year, it's a time for us to literally go within. It's a time not to be so stressed out because one of the things that happens immediately after all of this is the holidays start coming in. People get really weirded out. The holidays can really bring on stress. And you have to remember during Christmas and New Year, that is when Mercury is going into retrograde. So if you are buying this electronics for your family and your friends or yourself, please do that ahead of time. Don't get caught in that last-minute decision of what do I do and I need to buy this or I need to buy that. Start looking online now and get your purchases so that you're not going to have that added to the stress of everything else. But You know, when I was growing up, one of the things we did in May is we went to our personal uh, cemetery, and it was time to clean off the graves. And we had a huge, Mm -hmm. we had, you know, like 10 picnic tables, and all the the people with family would gather, you know, we'd gather together, and we'd have a celebration, and everybody would clean off the graves and make sure that there were fresh flowers and clean the headstones, and everything was all nice and pristine until we returned the following year. So... I kind of had a little bit of a tradition just anyway, the young child, that it wasn't something that was scary. It was something that we did, and we came together, and we had a really good time, and we honored the people who had passed before us. So I'm hoping that this year people will take more time to be appreciative of each other uh, because once someone's passed, it's going to be a totally different form of communication. And so if you need to make amends, let's do it now and and do it from the perspective of uh, we're, we just need to send out as much love as we possibly can. Right. And not so much fear. Totally you know, agree. we're throwing that fear around way too much. 
totally agree. I think um, we're coming up to three minutes or a little less than three minutes, but I think we need to get back to the original purpose of uh, recognizing and honoring those who have passed and making amends beforehand if we can, and if we can't, Mm -hmm. then make amends afterwards. You know, there's there's always that opportunity. And to maybe start some rituals for yourself, some holiday Mm -hmm. rituals for yourself or your family that will allow everybody to participate and to honor, you know, those who have passed and Mm -hmm. including pets, you know, and and, um, just making it and all all energies that, that is around, you know, honor it. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. Too much fear, way too much fear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I was doing investigations, I was never afraid because I never expected anything to happen to me, and nothing ever did because mm-hmm. I didn't throw that fear out there. And I think we need to really let go of that fear of, of you know, what is going on when we pass and those loved ones mm-hmm. that we have so but we are we are at the end of our show which ah, is unbelievable it went one fast. of the fastest hours of my life again gone so, so much information so much fun information I loved all of it um, and just remember that next week uh, we'll have our old radio program play I'll jump on before right before it starts and um, give you a little rundown about it and then we'll play the show and Elizabeth will be back the first Wednesday in November and this is my last show uh, as a co-host so I will be back as a guest occasionally I'm sure but um, it has been a fun ride, and I've enjoyed it tremendously. And um, I know the show is going to be growing and changing and evolving, and I really look forward to that. And Tasha's going to do a great job with doing that because that's what she does. And um, so we will see – well, I won't, but I will see you briefly next Wednesday – and then uh, that'll be the last. But join Elizabeth and Tasha the first Wednesday for free readings online. I may even call in. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so get, we those, have... get those seed dollars ready, folks. Get those seed dollars <laughs> ready. <laughs> we will see everybody later. Bye. <laughs>